Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast where it is Stat Nerd Thursday. That means if you haven't guessed it by now, I'm Matt Harmon, and I'm joined like I am each week by Dalton Del Don. We have plenty of good stats and some news to dig into this week, but before we get into the, all the fun, first, we have some pre-show business to take care of. By now, you've probably heard us talk about how Fantasy Plus can help your overall fantasy football team and your life in general. I can't guarantee that second statement, but I'm just going to say it anyways. If you haven't tried it out now, it's because you're worried about money. Well, in case this wasn't clear enough the last time I told you about it, you can try our Fantasy Plus for free for seven days by visiting yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. There's literally no reason to not try it. It can't hurt. It can only help, period, boom. And once again, it's for free. For seven days with that over and done with dalton how's it going man it's going well a little anxious over here sf giants dodgers game five coming up but um i know of course we're here to talk football what's up Harmon? oh man things are good you know i think we're in that period of the season where we have accepted a lot of new realities about teams and players that we might not have expected going into the season and i like this time of year man because i think we can really dive into some things and you know i know we have a, a a news item here about jimmy garoppolo is the starter when he's healthy but since the 49ers are on by dalton i think you and i can both preserve our mental well-being uh by not talking about the 49ers very much this episode so that has me excited can we i have a ton of notes to go over so that's too bad no seriously i, yeah, I don't know the <laughs> niners are the niners are i don't know what i have the sprained knee to throw to throw in there too for lance but yeah so is that what we're just gonna say is jimmy g and then we're gonna forget or do you want do you want to talk about lance's first performance let's talk about it next week let's just let's say again okay. let's give ourselves one week of peace and we can revisit that's this. fair that's let's fair. revisit that's this fair. next week <laughs> All right. Well, other news items here. We can blow through these kind of quickly, but um, Lions center Frank Ragnow is out for the season. It's one of the few bright spots for the Detroit Lions overall. Their offensive line was kind of like supposed to be their team's strength. Pene Sewell has been pretty good as the left tackle. That That's kind of worked out for them overall. But I mean, this is obviously a shallow offense where we have not gotten a consistent wide receiver emerging. I will say Lions rookie receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, a fourth round pick, has kind of steadied in terms of his playing time, running plenty of routes the last couple of weeks, um, actually playing a little bit outside as well. So maybe offensive line injuries, Jared Goff getting the ball out even quicker. I don't think Goff has been awful this year or anything. I mean, he's just he's a product of his environment. And his environment kind of sucks right now. But Amon Ross St. Brown, definitely somebody to um, keep your eye on. Quintez Cephas was a receiver there that got hurt, um, who was kind of emerging. 
Yeah, Goff hasn't been awful, and his stats would be even better if not for that one game where he dealt with all the the rain. He still has not won an NFL game, as I just told you backstage, without Sean McVay. But he's played mm. just fine. Look at the receivers he's dealt with. I mean, this is probably the worst in the league. He's been totally competent. But I want to talk about my guy DeAndre Swift on pace for 1,500-plus scrimmage yards, 99 catches, and 10 touchdowns. Been playing through a groin injury against a tough schedule. Yet to even see 15 carries in a game. Um, He trucked that guy, ran over that linebacker last week. He's my RB7 this week, even with the, the, you know, the injuries along Detroit's offensive line, man. I remain in on Swift. Uh, Talk me down. No, I'm in on Swift. Uh, I think he's... He's definitely a top 15 back the rest of the way. That's for sure. Um, whether it's just by the attrition of the position, everything like that. I, I mean, it's just, he's never going to have, he's, he's like Austin Eckler light, old Austin Eckler light, like how Austin Eckler's like getting the goal line carries and he's like a first and second down efficient first and second down runner this so far this year. I think basically Swift is that player just in a worse situation and I was drafting a lot of Austin Eckler and you're not nearly that invested in Swift as you were in Eckler so no I've I have no problem uh with DeAndre Swift I don't need to talk you down on that buddy okay all right cool all right well now of course he's still battling this groin injury but man you gotta like what you've seen so far I think in Dynasty especially because we would expect oh yeah oh yeah it is difficult with the lines because we were talking about this with our producer before we started that you know the college football scene right now in terms of the quarterback class that's going to be coming in here. Like, listen, the Lions might be riding riding with Jared Goff again. They already kind of committed to him from a contract standpoint by restructuring him and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much better the situation is going to get for DeAndre Swift next year, but um, the fact that he has passing down equity really makes it not it doesn't matter that much. It doesn't really matter as much. Um, worth I, I mentioned the Amon Ross St. Brown uh, thing from earlier. He did play a season-high 10 snaps outside last week with Quintus Cephas uh, injured, and uh, Tyrell Williams is, worth com- is coming back at some point. So however much better this damn Lions receiver core can get, uh, it is going to be trending slightly in the right direction. One note here uh, about two quarterbacks. Sounds like Tua and Daniel Jones are both trying to play this week. We'll talk about the Giants in a little bit when we talk about Kadarius Toney. But Tua, I think he is going to play. Does this change your opinion on the Dolphins offense at all? I mean, Jacoby Brissett was like, he is like the most check down prone quarterback in the NFL, even if we don't discuss him in that way. Like he does not push the ball downfield. Tua, of course, does not push the ball downfield. And they don't really have anybody worth pushing the ball downfield to except maybe Jalen Waddle. But they're kind of using him as just a slot guy. Uh, well, how do Waddle and Gasicki both fail to take advantage of that situation? I guess I the know. answer was Gaskin as far because he caught all the, the, the targets. You're right. He can't run the ball, but it all funneled to Gaskin. Um, so, yeah, Tua will definitely be an upgrade, especially with Brissett back, you know, playing with a bum hamstring. I mean, he was carded yeah. at one point. So, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> I, that's impressive. Actually, he even played. But Tua, uh, yes, I'm rooting for him to be back and healthy, but I'm still not overly excited with this offense. Uh, if Parker rejoins too, who knows? Um I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm more concerned as if Daniel Jones gets cleared because that, that Rams would then, you know, they're, they're a possible survivor pick. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious what happens there. And guys, we're going to talk about Tony. Like those are, I'm more excited about the, the Kadarius Tonys than I am any of the Miami receivers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would use the Rams and survivor, but, uh, I did that in week one. Uh, I knew they were going to crush Andy Dalton. So I just got that one out of the way. You'd use them if dimes gets, it's cleared though. No, no, I wouldn't use him if, if he does yeah. get cleared because, I mean, he's uh, – Daniel – again, we're going to talk about Giants like in depth, but he's played better than we ha- we probably expected so far this year. Uh, Tua, though, I mean, man, this Dolphins thing is is just going 
south like i mean south beach south yeah. ha, ha, ha. but i mean it's not going well for uh <laughs> miami like let's not forget too that they're probably going to end up giving the eagles a top five pick because they right. sent that pick mm. to trade up for Jalen waddle who they aren't even really using optimally and they don't i mean their offensive line they tr- that was like their number one thing like we're remaking this offensive line and they're already shuffling guys around up there it's it's bad man it's it's really a bad time to be investing in any of your dolphins i i really think they're going to they're going to be potentially looking at the wilderness this year which is not good considering the timeline that they ended up putting themselves on and and every time i settle on flores one of the best coaches then you then it's, it happens all the time then you watch the in game management i know they they have to be separated when you're evaluating these coaches but he's punting to the goat on fourth and short multiple times it's like what, what are I you mean, doing like i don't understand you're 10 point a, a guy you spent, that's brady's offense guy you on spent the other years side years being like, around you know like yeah, you spent years pun- around tom brady what are you yeah, doing just, um, uh, I think on. the biggest anyway. d- uh, damning point for Flores is that he can't settle on anything. Like he can't settle on an off. They don't even. We don't even know who's calling the plays for this team because they have that co-offensive right. coordinator BS thing. We, I mean, we spent enough time on the Dolphins. Who cares? They're not really a relevant team. Um, moving on. Last thing of note here: uh, Chandler Jones is on the COVID list. He's not expected to play. I would say that uh, this is good news for the Browns' offense, their Week uh, Six opponent, but Dalton. I have a a interesting stat about Baker Mayfield that I th- I think you 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 will never guess this but um Dalton Baker Mayfield leads the NFL in yards per attempt on screen passes. Would you like to guess what his yards per attempt on screen passes uh are? Well, it's got to be super high so I'll just say 10. It's 13.2. On screen, yeah, that's ins- yeah, wow, on yeah, they're doing it all underneath. Wow, yeah, passes. yeah, yeah, on screen yeah, passes. That's why number number two in the NFL, by the way, is Dak Prescott at eight point eight. Obviously, wow. big. That's <laughs> a huge gap. Um, good. It makes I, my I ten th- guests feel better too. My ten guests, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. blew that away. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I, I yeah, continue, continue. No, no, go with what you. It's weird. What uh, I. That just, I mean, they scored 89 points last week, the Chargers game, and uh, I'm sorry, the, the Browns game uh, combined, and Beckham saw three targets. I, I mean, know. what is going on? What, what is happening here? I mean, I know you could be saying the separated shoulder is affecting his deep throws. That's your only hope if you're a Browns fan right now, because Mayfield, it's, it's ugly. Uh, Be- uh, Beckham is Josh Hermsmeyer's uh, buy low air yards guy this week, and I could see it, you know, in a track meet, maybe against Arizona. But Arizona is also real, real quietly a run funnel defense, and I just expect yep, more of the same, more Nick Chubb, more Kareem Hunt, and you're really taking a leap of faith at this point if you're relying on Beckham. I mean, it's just, hopefully it's just been, you know, time off, and, and, and they'll both get healthier. And obviously, I'm not dropping him in fantasy leagues. But man, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough to throw him in a DFS lineup now and just point to the air yards. Yeah, exactly. You really that's all you would be doing is like, well, the air yards are there. And I get it. That might actually work out. The thing with um, God, it's just like it, his first return was so optimistic, like him and uh, Baker were on the same page. Uh the weighted opportunity was all there. targets, air yards, everything was there for Beckham. And then obviously against the Vikings. Baker just can't hit the guy when he's wide open for like the game ceiling play. That was obviously a nightmare. And then, you know, last week we kind of expected 
the the Browns basically did exactly what we would expect them to do, which is they ran the hell out of the ball and like they got David and Joku screen passes, you know, like stuff like that, which was basically that's how you want to beat the Chargers defense. You're not trying to take the top off with Odo Beckham or anything like that. And can uh, Baker Mayfield even take the top off the defense? It doesn't seem like it from this point. The schedule is not great. Like going forward, like uh, they've got the Bron- they've got the Cardinals this week. You mentioned they're definitely more of a team that you want to run the ball on. They got the Broncos, Steelers. Bengals, Bengals have been okay defensively. Patriots are kind of okay defensively. And then finally it lightens up in November with the Lions. Man, I feel like this is so obvious to see that. Let me run this take by you. I feel like Baker Mayfield is just basically, we just talked about Jared Goff. I feel like Baker Mayfield is Jared Goff. Like Jared Goff is fine. I think Baker Mayfield is fine. Like he's not actively hurting the team, but is he actively because the situation's so good. Like, who couldn't thrive in this Browns offense, you know, when they have two of the best running backs in the NFL? He's schemed open, wide open windows, all this stuff. Everything we always used to say about Jared Goff. Now, Baker Mayfield is just basically that guy. And now we just have to wonder will the Browns have, uh, like, everybody's giving the Rams credit for, oh, they go make this aggressive trade for Matthew Stafford right now because it's working out. But they spent the last two years before that. Giving Jared Goff the money and toiling around with Jared Goff, I really wonder what the Browns will do with this decision with Mayfield here. Yeah, Mayfield was looking like a bust before uh, Stefanski took over, and you mentioned it—the great situation, the what, maybe the best uh, offensive line in football, just the running game. And man, you look at the YPA stat; I always point to. But if he's benefiting from that much from the screen pass, then yeah, that's more right. of a situational thing there. And and it just the, like I said, the hope is. The left shoulder is what's affecting his deep throws lately. I mean, he has a cannon. He actually does throw it, uh, throw the ball far if, he, if needed. But this, the accuracy has just been a disaster. And right now, it's a you, you can't argue with the comp being a golf. What do you do when that you know the second contract comes up? Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield's probably a little bit better creating uh, out of structure than Jared Goff is. But I mean, the structure really does benefit Mayfield so much. It's hard to separate the two. And you know, he's been. He was really good in kind of those like improvisational moments as a rookie, more of like the off script stuff, awful in year two. And then, yeah, I mean, with Stefanski, it's been about a half a, a full one full year's worth from the time that things started to click later last year till now worth of good production in this offense. But yeah, I mean, it's just tough to like this team is ready. It's loaded. And I just don't know that I've always said I will believe that a team will willingly walk into the quarterback wilderness out of quarterback purgatory. When I see it, the Rams did not like the Rams literally did not do that. They went with Jared Goff. And then when they had an opportunity to go from the quarterback wilderness to the quarterback, like, I don't know, whatever you want to call this, the, the Oasis ish with, uh, with Matthew Stafford here, then they make that move. So I don't know if the Browns have the stones to do it because I don't know if any team has the stones to do it. Like, especially the Browns who have, <laughs> they should be, you know, based on their history, like they would have loved to have Baker Mayfield like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Totally. You props to you, though, because you really did call the Jared Goff thing at the time. And he knew the franchise was not going to do it. And they resigned him and regretted it immediately. And Goff was a great example of a guy whose YPA is boosted from his situation. I mean, that was just totally a product of the McVay offense. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, the Browns are not going to. Yeah, almost certainly they're going to look into bringing Mayfield back. But, yeah, he might be the weakness of, a, of an otherwise Super Bowl contending team right now. But hopefully it's just that left shoulder that gets better and he continues to make uh, an improvements. Yeah. But right now it's been very frustrating. No question. 
And it will just, it's just one more reason for me to like be here in 2028, like still thinking, well, maybe Odell Beckham just needs one more change of situation. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So as long as I can keep doing that to myself, I guess I'll just continue to live in this misery. All right, let's move on though. Uh, A couple other stats, like that was kind of just a little fun intro stat that I heard on the athletic pod that I thought was just like unbelievable. Um, It's crazy. I wanted to bring this one up because obviously this is going to be a relevant topic going into the Sunday night game this week and then going forward. What's going on with the Seahawks without Russell Wilson? I mean, it has been forever since we've seen a Seahawks game started by somebody who's not Russell Wilson. This is his first. This is going to be his first missed start. Um, the Seahawks are 17th in neutral pass rate. They're 16th in neutral pace. What are we doing with the Seahawks wide receivers? Because we know that they have lived, both of them, Lockett and Metcalf, have lived on efficiency, not volume, to be like wide receiver one and wide receiver two, as they have been the last two years. What are you doing with these guys with Geno here? I'd say I bumped them each down about five or six spots, but you're still, I'm still starting both. Geno Smith looked Same. competent enough last week in relief and even, even the previous times he's seen the field too. And they're, they're, Chris Carson's banged up. There's no way they're going to be able to run the ball against the Steelers. And that's the strength of their team. Even Gerald Everett's missed last couple games. So I feel like it'll be screens or whatever. They'll get the ball into, into Metcalf and Lockett's hands. I mean, it may turn into a total disaster because I do understand that Russell Wilson is by far the most important player on that team. And that may just totally go winless. But um, I don't know this, this Pittsburgh team, it wouldn't shock me if this becomes a competitive game and Metcalf and Lockett are still, uh, you know, wide receiver twos. What do you think, Matt? I think that, yeah, basically you kind of have to view DK, whereas I view DK as a high-end one and Lockett as a high-end two, I basically view them as a low-end one and a, and a low-end two. Um, Perfect. I will say, though, like these big games, you know, these monster games that DK would have and these like absurd slate-breaking games that Tyler Lockett would, ha- would have, those are off the board. Like, I don't think that's happening with Geno back there. Damn, D- Geno Smith has thrown fewer than 80 passes in the regular season since 2016. His lone start was that infamous Eli Manning rec- streak-breaking start against the Raiders. Oh, God, that feels like 100 years ago. There's like a Giants nation was outraged that they would do this to Eli Manning in favor of Geno right. Smith. Um, what a t- pretty tough history with uh, the New York area, <laughs> old Geno Smith. But I, I will say, like, those big games are off the board with Geno back there. But, you know, we know that Russell Wilson is – he. Do- I've said this on the podcast for the last, like, two years, basically. He does not want to matriculate the offense down the field. And I think that, like, we can definitely put some of that on the coordinators that he's had. Obviously, Pete Carroll's got, like, an old-school philosophy. But – Russ has been in the league forever. Like Russ is not, he is who he is. Right. And he's a great quarterback. And, and obviously I'm not going to pitch this as some sort of upgrade, but with that style of offense, it's very hit or miss. And I think that's why Lockett has been extremely hit or miss in fantasy. I think DK has been a little hit or miss, but not quite as extreme as Lockett has been. I wonder, like, could we see more? We're not going to, like I said, none of these moonshot games, but could we see more, you know, eight for 90 from DK or um, especially Lockett, who is a great full field route runner, like more of these like consistent layup targets, get the ball out of Geno's hands quickly. Cause Russ is more like I'm shooting for, you know, it's like run, run, deep pass, run, run, deep pass. Like I, I think that's possible. 100%, 100% agree. 100% agree. Yeah, there's less upside, but almost like their floor is in a weird way better, even like especially Lockett, because, yeah, there's going to be more underneath stuff, and those are the two best players. I think they're going to be featured more, certainly not of the upside, but um, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, their floor is, is, is risen because of this. But 
On the flip side, I'll say Russell Wilson may end up only missing three games. The, the latest mm-hmm. news was uh, encouraging. He's a fast healer. He's never missed a snap basically before this. And then they have a bye too. So it's possible you, you get out of this with only missing three games from Russell Wilson as opposed to the eight. Uh, we'll, obviously, we'll, we'll see. But I, I'm still starting Metcalf and Lockett this weekend. Yeah, uh, I think what Pete Carroll said is he's one of the best healers of all time or something like that, which is I don't know what the hell that means, Pete. Yeah, Russell Wilson, this is it's like the same reason that people are all freaking out about Stefan Diggs about, you know, after Sunday Night Football, because Josh Allen had they see the the total yards for Josh Allen. And, you know, Stefan Diggs has just a few this like, well, Josh Allen averaged 21 yards per completion. Like when your quarterback is making those deep shots all the time, and Russell Wilson, by the way, is number three this year in yards per completion. He's always really high in that stat. I don't think Geno's going to be that high in that stat. So again, I think if you just really love those floor days, which people just really always talk about how Lockett doesn't have that floor, maybe this is finally the moment. Uh, I can like backwards into to talking about why this con- inconsistency thing is actually all Russ's fault. Uh, but that's like my, uh, I'm not going to really go too deep on that theory. Uh, Kadarius Tony, Dalton. Kadarius Tony, I thought this was really interesting. Obviously, he has this huge game last week uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. What an what a journey for Kadarius Tony. He's like the only he's the last man standing. Um, he then gets thrown out by his head coach. Like, let's not mince words here. Joe Judge was going to throw him out of that game before the refs were going to throw him out of that game when he threw that punch. But you know, there's a lot of talk right now because uh, Darius Slayton is practicing again. Sterling Shepard is practicing again. I bet both of those guys play this weekend. Kadarius Tony took 64% of his snaps outside in week five. That says to me that especially we don't really know Kenny Galladay's status right now. I'm not really worried about Kadarius Tony eating into Sterling Shepard because I think Sterling Shepard is still going to have his role as a slot receiver. And I think Sterling Shepard's still like a fringe top 35 receiver the rest of the season. And Tony to me, I'm sure you're gassed up about Tony. I, I think he's going to be replacing Darius Slayton more so than he's going to replace him. Uh, Sterling Shepard. Tony looks so good. There's a lot of moving parts here, but if Daniel Jones is cleared and Galladay's out, I'm still firing up Tony, assuming he's good to go with his uh, ankle injury. Man, he's impressed. And no Barkley, obviously, will free up some targets, too. Um, yeah, hopefully Shepard returns and healthy. I could see him being, yeah, a top 35-ish guy, uh, especially in PPR. Uh, but wow, Tony looks like they might have hit a home run here. He's like this raw route runner, but just clearly yep. the guy can play the yards after the catch. He looks like the real deal, and yeah, I mean, it's you're excited if you have him in Dynasty, and right away, even in redraft, uh, like I said, if the things go right as far as injuries, because obviously there's a lot of possible mouths to feed, and you don't want Mike Glennon being the QB, but with Barkley sideline, Galladay sideline, and way Tony's looking, um, it's it's pretty exciting. Listen, I had a lot of questions about Kadarius Tony and his profile coming in, but people were letting him slip to like the second round of rookie drafts because they just hated him so much, and like they didn't like the landing spot, and um, you know, we're here, like, obviously, maybe if these all these guys don't get hurt, we might not be having this conversation already. But it's the same conversation that we should have had with, um, and we're going to talk about Marquise Brown later, but situations change really quickly. When we look at these guys from like a dynasty perspective. So sometimes it's like, they this guy, they took this guy in the first round, like they're going to figure out, a, they're going to figure out something for him. And I actually kind of think that, listen, I'm not I, I, I still maintain that he needs to grow to be a full-time starting outside receiver but I mean my god got he's got juice and like that was the same thing coming like if he was a total dud of a prospect I would have understood people all out fading him but he had clear-cut strengths like rare ability in the open field even as a collegiate player like look at any tackle breaking metric like it was pretty much there 
for old Kadarius Tony. So you yeah, know what I, mean, I think hurt him. You know what I think hurt him is the Urban Meyer stink. Him saying, "Oh, I wanted to draft him at the Giants." Not yeah. maybe that weirdly hurt him in all of our minds. Probably did me. I probably bumped him down after I heard that. But he jumps off the page. To be fair, there was a lot of questions with Tony. Like the the route running questions were legit. Like I don't know what the hell he was doing out there, but he was also still learning the position. Uh, he was you know, very kind of like late move to wide receiver. So right. it's not. I don't know if we really need to relitigate this whole thing, but like, yeah, he was. There were definitely questions about that. The Urban Meyer thing. <laughs> like I still can't believe Urban Meyer said that. It still blows my mind. Of all the Urban Meyer things, it's like that is one of the biggest. Like I can't believe he did that. Number three, also like. The Giants taking him, too, was weird because the Giants wanted to take Devontae Smith, and then they ended up just taking another guy who's like had WR next to his name. But like there could not be two more different players than Devontae Smith and Kadarius Tony, So that was weird. And, yeah, he goes to a crowded depth chart, and he goes to a team with damn Jason yeah. Garrett as his offensive coordinator. And, like, Jason Garrett, if he um, – like, I still don't believe that he would have figured this out if not forced to figure it out. And also Kadarius Tony had like an awful off season. Like I know he's in trouble with the coach cause he just punched that guy last week, but he had a ter- terrible off season, with all kinds of BS. So this is a, no doubt a surprise. Like nobody saw this coming this early. Um, actually, as we're talking right now, I just got uh, an alert from Adam Schefter that Daniel Jones is quote on track with everything. Uh, Joe judge said, um, and the starting quarterback could return when the Ram the giants host the Rams on Sunday. So sounds like we'll get dimes there, which is probably good news to, to make this game watchable. Yeah, definitely. A crowd is an understatement. I mean, Darius Slayton's good. I mean, John Ross is good. I mean, yeah. that they're really loaded there. No, not John. Okay, we can go that far. No, um, no, no, no. I'm, uh, John Ross obviously uh, has juice. I just think Darius, Darius Slayton's kind of a jag. Uh, like, I think. Yeah, okay, I, think I got. Gets, yeah, no, oh, now yeah. Tony's better. No question. You're right. No, now it's yeah. separated. No question. I'm just saying the depth there is, uh, it's it's not nothing, but the Galladay's could be banged up the rest of the year very easily. Yeah, and I hear you as far as Slayton. And, 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 and Barkley, you know, he was the guy projected for 100 plus targets, and now he's sidelined too. So, um, yeah, good to hear about Daniel Jones because boy I jinxed him he was my one we do a one bold prediction of the week and I had him ranked to do it to do well last week mm-hmm. and that uh yeah sorry sorry there what a disastrous uh Giants uh uh injury game it felt like my 49ers from last season I mean it's not been a very smooth season for them so far overall um so yeah it's it's a very they're a strange team man they're just a weird mm-hmm. team but I think that the talent has shown through and I think J- Jones obviously absent of last week he wasn't really playing well before he got hurt anyways but you know I think he has on balance played like an average starting quarterback which I didn't even know if he could do that coming into this year so yeah let's talk about Marquise Brown like rest of season rankings Marquise Brown has 42 percent of his targets from the slot this year he's top 15 I think in weighted opportunity he's wide receiver six overall in fantasy football and Rashad Bateman is expected back this week but with the way the Ravens this is what I was talking about with the uh with the Kadarius Tony thing we all said coming into this year like when Rashad Bateman was drafted it's like oh you gotta push Bateman I know we're talking about Marquise Bramble like we gotta push Bateman down in dynasty rankings no matter how much you like him as a prospect because the Ravens just don't throw the ball that much and the Ravens are throwing the ball like around middle of the pack in terms of neutral situation uh, passing rate. And obviously people will immediately come back and say, well, they, they weren't going to be this way if all of their running backs didn't get hurt or uh, they didn't have this, this and this happen to them. Well, that's fair, but that's the NFL. Like things change all the time. Uh, situations change all the time in the NFL. I think the situation has changed enough that like Marquise Brown, I think is an every week fantasy starter. And I think I'm pretty optimistic that Rashad Bateman is going to be an instant hit as soon as he hits the field. 
Yeah, it's hard not to rank Brown as a top 20 guy each week. I mean, he had, went on that touchdown run quietly to end last season, too. It's a perfect setup. Baltimore cannot run the football this year with their running backs. Their defense isn't as good as expected. And Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball better than ever. I mean, just awesome out there. And and Marquise Brown, imagine if he didn't drop those those deep balls against the Lions, too, his stats. So, yeah, he's a must-start. And even, and even yeah, Bateman's probably going to take a while to get acclimated, but he's supposedly you know, a, a real, real legit prospect, too. And Watkins is banged up. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited if you have Brown. You're excited if you have Bateman stashed. I mean, Lamar Jackson just is, I mean, he might be the MVP favorite right now. But um, it's uh, it's awesome to see. And it's it's fun to see. Marquise Brown, you know, 160 pounds entering the league. Said too small. Last year, he worked hard and then looked like a total bust the first half. But quietly, here we are. I mean, yeah, I mean, one could argue he should be a top 10 fantasy wide receiver moving forward. You, I mean, the, the, the opportunity yeah. has been there. Yeah, I'm pretty pissed. It was hard to be um, in on Marquise Brown, like over the summer, because, you know, the, the Ravens had a weird summer, man. Like Lamar spent so much time on the COVID list. And then by the time he was back, Hollywood Brown was injured. You know, he, he didn't practice much of training camp. So it was kind of hard to be super in on Brown, but I'm still pissed. I didn't, I didn't see this one coming. Cause I really liked Brown coming into last year. He's been fourth and 12th in my success rate versus zone coverage metrics. Like, and, and they've moved him into a role. Like this is the role he should be playing. Like don't have him outside facing press coverage, have him running routes over the middle of the field. Like being like, we saw him on the, the sky cam on Monday night, like identifying that he was like just crushing zone coverage, even in the red zone. Like this is what he does. This is what he should be doing as a player. I love this guy, man. I'm so gassed up that he's having this big year. Um, you know, he's a player I talked to before the NFL draft uh, when he came out in Nashville, which feels like a thousand years ago, by the way, like talking to players in person uh, before the draft. What, what does that look <laughs> like? Uh, um, and, you know, just going through like the details that he puts into his route running. He's Antonio Brown's cousin. Like, you know, he's been learning from the best of the best in terms of how to run routes forever. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think he's just taking that next step as a player. He's another one that's still super cheap in dynasty, like dynasty rankings across the board have him so low. And like, I don't really understand. I think the situation has completely changed, um, in Baltimore. One situation that has definitely changed and could have changed if Juju Smith-Schuster had signed with the Ravens, as he was apparently offered to do. Well, Juju is on IR. He's still in Pittsburgh, but uh, is out for the rest of the season. What is your outlook on Chase Claypool the rest of the way? I'm getting pretty excited but i don't want to get too excited because you know he has two huge plays from the slot uh last week i wonder if he gets more routes there obviously because juju is their main slot guy deontay johnson despite the fact that he's kind of smaller and people people peg him as like a potential slot guy because he's he gets the short a dot targets but he's seen just five percent of his targets from the slot this year the steelers have the third easiest strength of schedule uh versus pass defense efficiency the rest of the way now Claypool's limited with a hamstring injury right now. Not really too concerned about that. What's your outlook on Chase Claypool the rest of the season? Double-digit TDs as a rookie. Free up so many targets without Juju. So even with Big Ben looking, you know, almost washed, uh, you got to be excited. Yeah, I'm a top 25-ish type guy uh, rest of the season, Claypool. And that's probably maybe even being conservative. Um, yeah, it's, it's big news for him, Juju going down. And nice to see Deontay Johnson obviously be healthy and catch a couple of couple bombs in back-to-back weeks. What about Najee Harris? I was just arguing on a different pod that I, I say he would go fifth at the latest in a PPR league right now in a mm. draft. I mean, if you look at his box score after that bad week one, it's been production after productive just constantly. And they just, the, the volume's there. I mean, and there's, and it also, it's, it's an indictment on the rest of the running back landscape. I mean, Barkley going down and it's like, yeah, I mean, you got Eckler there. And I was saying, I'd even rather, um, 
Najee than uh, than Aaron Jones. Just, I mean, the volume's been there, mm. man, in full PPR. In full PPR, the volume's there. And A.J. Dillon is becoming a thing there. So that was my argument. Where, where would you stand there? You think I'm crazy to say that? No, I mean, I'm thinking about it because I don't think you'd take any wide receivers ahead of him. Maybe Devontae Adams, but... Uh, no, Adams probably, yeah. But that's Adams yeah. is his own, own breed. I would take Adams in full PPR, but no one else, no no other receiver. No, no other receiver. So then it's like, yeah, it's McCaffrey. I guess if you're still going to include McCaffrey because he should Henry. be back, maybe there. McCaffrey, Henry, I would probably take Zeke ahead of him. Uh, it's a debate. Yeah, yeah. You're making me want to move him up my uh, my rest of season rankings. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. that's a that's a good point though. It's interesting because you don't really think that, but go ahead, look at his box score and just look at the projected yeah. volume. And man, it's just it's just there for for the rookie. And he's uh, he's made some nice plays too. But um, yeah, that's a uh, definite about uh, 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 even more targets without Juju. Uh, there you I go. Know, yeah. I mean, Najee, there you go. Even more for him. He leads all running backs in targets, and obviously that nineteen target game with Deontay Johnson out is is buoying that. But I mean, with Juju out, we can actually project some of that to stay the same. Um. Yeah, I mean, being in the Dalvin Cook business is not fun right now either. So, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of feel like Najee is, is is about as safe as it gets. And yeah, I, I think overall, I hope that I hope that he takes some of that juju volume because I know De- some of it's going to get pushed to Deontay Johnson. But Deontay Johnson, like, I think is a clear cut top twenty receiver rest of season at, at the bare minimum. Like, you know how many passes he's dropped so far this year, Dalton? Do you know? No, I don't. Zero point zero. So uh, take that drop nerds. Uh, Deontay rocks. Chase Claypool rocks like Ben is what he is. But man, I mean, even if you're building lineups and I already started taking a look at it for like single game daily fantasy Sunday night football, it's like it gets pretty ugly pretty quick. And I think that's kind of the way the Steelers will be the rest of the year. Like it's basically just going to be those three guys. And like, I don't really care about James Washington. I don't really care about Ray Ray McLeod or the tight end. Yeah. It's yeah. just those guys, I think, the rest of the way. No, it'll be concentrated. I have Deontay, my 11th receiver, and Claypool, my 18th this week. And that might be pretty much like that moving forward. So, yeah, I like both yeah. those guys quite a bit. Uh, this is uh, this one I thought was interesting. I, I don't really know what this means, Dalton, but Justin Fields right now has the lowest expected completion percentage in the league per next-gen stats at 59%. I found it interesting that Andy Dalton has the highest uh, expected completion percentage hmm. at 73%. Really? Yeah, that yeah. is really interesting. That Literally, like the bottom and the top there, and obviously hmm. the biggest difference between the two is the air yards. Justin Fields has been slinging that thing downfield. Andy Dalton was uh, doing, let's just say, the opposite of that when he was starting. It, it almost makes me, in a way, optimistic about Fields because the, he's been dealing. He's been per next gen stats has been given the hardest assignment so far in terms of his expected completion percentage. Some of those are obviously his choices to throw the ball downfield. That is probably not going to change. That's in his nature, but I'm really trying to talk myself into how this bears passing offense can, can get better because I just believe in Allen Robinson. I believe in Darnell Mooney and I believe in Justin Fields way too much to just like completely have given up hope. And I feel like the fantasy industry at large has kind of given up hope. Um, I think in a way, if like they can bring that expected completion percentage up, I think Bill Lazor's done a pretty good job calling plays so far. That makes me a little more optimistic to say for like maybe not the rest of the month, but maybe like November, December, Justin Fields uh, in these pass catchers could look a little bit better. And last week, they weirdly played with the lead the whole second half. That's, you know, that's when Herbert got all his touches. That's probably not going to happen most weeks. Uh, but it's weird that yep. Mooney has quite clearly been Fields' guys. But you I look know. at the completion percentage above expectation. It's three rookies at the bottom. It's Wilson Fields, my guy Lance, uh, after one game. 
Um, and then Trevor Lawrence is right there, bottom five too. So it's just been the rookie QBs this year, just from top to bottom, have struggled. Although Davis Mills had a good game last week, but um, uh, I mean, I don't know. Fields, he's not even running. I don't know. I, I it's, it's weird, but um, I, I think these rookies will all improve and get better with more experience. But it has been a little eye-opening just how bad they've all looked. I mean, so far, I mean, it has not been great, but I mean, still you got You're going with fields and I'm glad that they're moving on from Dalton and uh, better days ahead. But I am personally, I'm not starting Allen Robinson. I rank him outside of my, I think around like wide receiver 40. I mean, do you you still treat him as a wide receiver three or no? I mean, God, you can hear it like hurts me to say this, but I think he's like a a very low end boom bust wide receiver three. I don't really know how you can say it otherwise right now. It just is what it is. The volume is not there and I'm kicking myself for not being more. I was like basically just like projecting the best possible outcome for these guys. And like it was so clear from the beginning that Matt Nagy was not going to facilitate the best possible outcome here. I don't know why I couldn't see that coming. Ah, Optimism. It's a. It's a curse in fantasy, that's for sure. On that note, though, my last stat here before we jump into the Thursday night preview, A.J. Brown is the lone player with six-plus deep targets, that's 20-plus yards down the field, to go without a catch. Is A.J. Brown a buy low? Is A.J. Brown a positive regression candidate? He has a matchup, obviously a tough matchup with the Bills this week. Um, The Bills are the best defense in the NFL. They just gave it to the Chiefs on Sunday night, but... Basically, everything in A.J. Brown's outlook says he should positively, you know, move forward here. Julio Jones is back at practice. But I mean, God, I don't really know how much Julio is moving the needle right now at this point. And I think, look, last time that these two teams faced off the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans, um, the Bills did limit Derrick Henry. 19 carries, uh, three yards per carry in that game. He scored two touchdowns, so he made it for your fantasy team. But. I, and they're they're a better defense now. They're a much better defense, and they're not going to be playing in like ne- like the Titans were playing a positive game script that entire game. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Uh, I think that Brown, even in a tough matchup, could like I think there's a chance that if he is a buy low window, the, that sh- that could shut right after this week. Yeah, I'm personally worried about his health, and I love AJ Brown, but you're not yeah. trading him now. I mean, he hasn't done. You know, he's disappointed in it, 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 the, the possible trade partners. We'll see a tough matchup against the Bills too. So you want to have him if you are looking to trade him. Wait till he has a good game, which he inevitably will with all these downfield targets that he's missing. Um, I don't know. I am concerned long term, though. I, I would consider trading him after that said big game. Um, I don't. I love AJ Brown, the player, though, so much. But I just I just worry about the health, and then eventually maybe if Julio Jones comes back. But I'm with you as far as games script uh, i know it's gone okay for henry so far but it's still a bad defense and they're going to play different opponents and they're going to have to throw so a healthy aj brown could start cashing in those downfield targets certainly but personally i'm just i i do worry about his health over the rest of the season and i don't know if part of those missed downfield things are him being lack of 100 percent um i don't know uh it might be a career-long thing with him just always battling an injury what do, what, what do you think about brown moving forward i think that could be the case we'll see um schedule wise they get the Chiefs after this week. That could be the Ooh, big blow-up game, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that could be the big blow-up game. But it's worth noting, too, that they get the the this Titans still get the Texans two more times. They get the Jaguars one more time. Um, like, the schedule is not the – although the, the last game of the season for the – the second matchup with the Texans is uh, the last week of the season, week 18 or whatever the hell it is. Uh, so that might not be that relevant for your fantasy team. But it's just worth mentioning that there are some good games ahead for Brown. So if you do want to – Hold on through those good games. You can do that. Um, otherwise, you could look to potentially sell after. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm pretty optimistic about him on Sunday night. I'm pretty optimistic only because of the volume has been there um, from like an overall team perspective. He's also 27% of the targets last week uh, without Julio Jones there. But all right, let's talk about one good team and one not so good team on Thursday Night Football. 
Buccaneers at Eagles. Gronk is out. Brady's going to play. Duh. He's got a thumb injury. Who cares? Antoine Winfield and Levante David are out for the Bucs. There's two pretty crucial defenders. Their defense has, like, we talked about this you know, all last year, that they were the healthiest team in the NFL. And, like, that's why they were so good last year to end the season. Well, they've not been the healthiest team in the NFL so far this season, especially on defense. Um, Dallas Goddard for the Eagles, also worth noting, is on the COVID list. How do you feel about this game overall from a daily fantasy perspective? First of all, I don't know. I kind of, I'll kind of counter you, and I, I think this game could be competitive. I could see the Eagles even winning this outright. They've allowed the third fewest mm. yards per per play against. Their defense is okay. I like that they pass the ball so much. Jalen Hurts, everyone says he's such a better real li- or a fantasy player than real-life players, completing 65% of his passes, 7.5 YPA, a better completion percentage above expectation than Brady, Mahomes, uh, Stafford. Um, he's had six touchdowns nullified by penalty. Um, I think That's I think Jalen Hurts is, is good. I think Jalen Hurts is I is, is I pretty agree. good football player. I understand he makes some mistakes that seemingly just get glared on. I don't know. I think he's both good and he's obviously better in fantasy because of the rushing. But I also think he's all right in real life and only getting better. And I think they're going to be competitive in this in this game. But um, of course, Brady is having one of his best seasons at forty four. Uh, the thumb injury he says it's not a problem, but I mean it was wrapped. Who knows? Short week. Um, I don't know. I think this game is going to be close, but uh, of course it'll turn into a, a Bucks blowout probably. Now I mean, he's saying that, but that's that's my counter to you. I think I think an upset is live in this one actually. Okay, yeah, I, I um, I'm surprised to hear you say that. The Bucks are uh, seven point road favorites right now uh, over the Eagles, and God, I mean I just have a tough time betting against the Bucks at this point. They're so good. I don't know. I think the Eagles defense, like this is a team that should be one and four. The Eagles, like Sam Darnold gifted them that game last week. You know, um, I mean, good Lord, Sam Darnold. Come on. Give me a break, man. They couldn't protect him. Uh, the Eagles pass rush is still pretty good. Their defensive line is pretty good. But from like a run defense perspective, like they play so much zone coverage. Tom Brady just shreds zone coverage too. That's like true. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a I, I don't know. I could I but I could. The thing that I could see is the Eagles actually keeping a little bit of pace here. Like I I don't think they've got a prayer of stopping Brady period but I think from just an overall like offensive perspective you're right the Eagles right now I think are seventh in neutral situation passing rate which is so crazy because they have a rushing quarterback like they're not using they're basically just dropping Jalen Hurts into like Nick Sirianni's Colts offense you know it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. That gives me weird vibes about the coach. Gives me weird vibes on how they might feel about Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts has played pretty well this year. Obviously, he's had some bad moments, and he's crushed some good matchups with the Chiefs, the Falcons. Like, he's played well in good matchups. But, I mean, he's shown you enough signs. The Eagles have all these first-round picks. Like, it would be great if they just settled on Jalen Hurts, and then they just, like, I don't know, built around him or whatever. But that's a separate conversation. Some of the players to worth highlighting um, in this game – uh, Leonard Fournette, dude. What are what are we? Uh, how do we feel about old uh, playoff Lenny? Um, week week six Lenny, whatever he wants to go by these days. Uh, he obviously played on like eighty percent of the snaps against the Patriots. He's been kind of the guy, and I think he's been kind of looking good so far. And the Eagles are the twenty third ranked run defense in DVOA. 
You can use him uh, in your yearly fantasy leagues as an RB2 moving forward. And he would be a top 15 guy if Gio Bernard went down. You know, if he got all the passing down where he stole that one short TD catch last week. But yeah, no, Fournette has definitely overtaken my guy, Ronald Jones, like he did in the playoff stretch. He's clearly the most trusted back. He gets the dump offs. For sure, Uncle Lenny is uh, is emerged there. And then other, on the counter, uh, Tampa Bay, no one will run against them at all. So uh, Zach Ertz at $14 in the, in the Yahoo DFS. Uh, with Goddard uh, possibly missing this game on the COVID list. And then Kenneth Gainwell, another 14. He might just be this week's Miles Gaskin, get all the catches. As we know, Miles Sanders uh, struggles with the dump off. So Gainwell maybe be an option there. But um, yeah, uh, then, when then what we got, Quez Watkins possibly outplaying, overtaking Jalen Rager um, and, as the wide receiver too uh, in, in Philly. And then, of course, Devonta Smith is, is the guy you're looking for uh, if you want to start a pass catcher for or the receiver for the Eagles. Yeah, Devontae Smith definitely is like in play. You know, he's he's got like a top 15 oh, yeah. outlook uh, for, you know, in terms of targets, air yards. It's worth noting Leonard Fournette did run 28 routes last week and Gio Bernard ran just eight. Obviously, most of that is in positive wow. game script. Right. We would expect him to be and he's had five targets in back to back games. So like, yeah, I think Leonard Fournette oh, is yeah. is like an, I have him at RB 15 right now this week. I think he is clearly in play. From like a strategy perspective in daily fantasy, it's like you kind of want to try to pick one or you want to pick two of these Bucks receivers. But in a way, it might actually make sense to just like have Brady and Fournette and like try to access all of the Bucks touchdowns and then just try to run it back with a couple Eagles. Zach Ertz, I agree with you there. Quez Watkins is interesting, man, because Jalen Rager can't. uh, I mean, I don't know what to tell you about old Jalen Rager. Like that is what it is. But Quez Watkins is fast. Uh, He ran 29. He played 29 snaps in the slot last week. So he would be like a potential. The the problem is he's 14, 14 bucks. So is Zach Ertz. Like I wish he was like if if Quez Watkins was the stone minimum at 10, I would I would definitely say play him. He's going to be very popular along with Zach Ertz. And just, I feel like Ertz could fall like ass backwards into 13 targets in this week. And I like this game, I wouldn't be surprised. I undersold Fournette. You're, I have him 16th this week, and and yeah, maybe yeah. He, the, you just look at the jabronis, the other the other running backs in his area. It's 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 a, it gets really thin fast. Yes. Um. He, he could be. He could definitely be a top 15 back the rest of the season, which is uh yeah not not great for those who who drafted Ronald Jones. But um. Sorry, man. Antonio told, Brown's a cheap. <laughs> I know you really did the three of the the cheapest of the three receivers, but you know maybe not be his turn after last week's big game. But man, he's gonna pay off big time at his ADP and. Antonio Brown. Um, you have any thoughts on the Godwin Evans uh, AB trio? What you do with that? I mean, the the real answer is you just you play you play all of them, right? You know, you play every single one of them every single week because it's like how can you afford to um, how can you afford to miss out on the goodness, right? Like if you didn't start Antonio Brown last week, you hit you absolutely hate yourself, right? And like Godwin still gave you what like seven for seventy uh, last week, right? That was that was kind of his stat line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he hasn't been killing you or anything. When you look at like where these guys line up, obviously it's like they've got Darius Slay as one one side of the court. Darius Slay, it's interesting. Like he tracked um, DJ Moore around the field last week, which I wasn't expecting because, like I said, the Eagles just kind of they play zone coverage and they just they just roll with it. But that was pretty different. I know he was chirping about that too coming into the game that he's like, oh, you don't know what is man and what is zone coverage, and then obviously he gets the man up with DJ Moore all game or whatever. I don't know that he's going to be able to. Do, he's doing that in this game. Um, Steven Nelson's their other perimeter corner. And then Avante Maddox, the slot guy is probably the weakest of the three. Like, I think this could be a pretty good spot for Godwin. I'm going to probably rank him inside my top 10 receivers this week. 
Yeah, should be a good. Hopefully, it'll be an interesting game. Now, now, I'm, now I'm convinced Tampa Bay is going to kill them after my uh, coming out strong <laughs> with Ether. But I like J- Jalen Hurts, man. I think Jalen Hurts is is better in Me real too. life than he's get, been given credit for. But maybe I'm way off. We'll, we'll we'll see. Fantasy wise, there's no doubt. Al, I mean, his floor. I read. I heard one stat. Sorry, I don't give it credit, but uh, only one player in all of fantasy has finished top twelve at his position. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, it was Hurts. It's Hurts. Yeah. The only player that finished top twelve at his position each week uh, so far this year. So anyway, should be a good game, and hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Eagles cover. <laughs> I think he's um, cleared 20 plus points in every single week, too, at least in our daily fantasy game. So, yeah, I mean, Hertz has been balling. Um, last note, man, I do, this is not a prediction. This is not what I think is going to happen. But wouldn't wouldn't it be like just that is just something that can only happen in fantasy football? Everybody in the world is out on Miles Sanders, rightfully so, by the way. <laughs> Everybody in the world is out on Miles Sanders. Nobody can run on the Bucks, Like, if you are just like so cynical about life and fantasy football in general, would you just like not be so surprised if Miles Sanders runs for like 100 yards on or busts off like one rando big play? Yeah, you got to use him in one of the tournament lineups. Yes, you're totally right. That is the way NFL works. It's exactly it's the opposite of what's supposed to happen is totally great call. I bet now. Yeah, totally. That is what's going to happen. Sanders gonna go off (laughs) i haven't had the fortitude to tweet it yet because like obviously i don't really mean it like i would not start if i have miles sanders in a season-long fantasy lineup you have to well i don't know if you have better options running backs by weeks it is what it is you should not play miles sanders but like it would just that would just be such a fantasy football thing to happen is like miles sanders goes off against the run defense that no one has because everything says no every like kenny kenny gainwell is going to catch 10 passes like miles gaskin Ola, you know, Miles Sanders isn't even getting any opportunity. Uh, They're not running the ball at all. Nobody runs on the Bucs. You can't run on the Bucs. Boom, he gets like a 77-yard touchdown to start the game. I don't know, man. I'm just like mentally preparing myself for that so that I don't have to feel irritated when it happens. I like it. It's a contrarian play. Just, yeah, they'll counter the defense. It'll, yeah, it's, it's certain to happen now. I'm not saying to do it. I'm not saying to do it. I'm just saying don't be surprised when, when it happens because it's so stupid. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Totally. With that. No, the NFL is stupid. No no question about it. Yeah. No, the NFL no, is there's stupid. There's no rhyme or reason. Uh, yeah. The NFL is stupid. <laughs> the NFL is stupid, but we're thankful for it because it does keep the lights on. So there is that. All right. That is going to do oh, it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In all its stupidity. Good times, Armin. Good times. Appreciate you, buddy. It's always good talking to you uh, about this stupid little game that we all uh, love so much. What, where would we be without fantasy football? I don't know, um, and I don't want to think about it. In the meantime, that's going to do it for us, but we'll keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, where you can go block me after I tweet that Miles Sanders thing. Uh, and you can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. If you want fantasy analysis and news and updates from the entire team, give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. Also, while you're waiting for that Miles Sanders tweet, it, it might already be out by the time, depending on how um, how bold I'm feeling for the rest of the day. It might already be out. But while you're waiting to go check it out, make sure you listen to uh, some of our podcasts here because we've got you covered with a preview of the college football weekend. Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI break down the big storylines and big games on the latest episode of College Football Inquirer, while Nick Bromberg provides a betting guide for Saturday's action on Yahoo Sportsbook Daily. Look for them both on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Dalton will be back tomorrow with the preview of Sunday's NFL games with Liz Loza, but until then, we are out. 